Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood and this is my show. Today we're going to do a leadership episode. We're going to talk about bonus programs, one of my favorite topics. And if you're an astute business person, you know this is one of the easiest ways to reduce some friction in your company and make some money for yourself, but also to do well by doing good, to make sure the people that you're responsible for are checking those uh, checking those cashes, cash in those checks, right? That these people, you know, are going to be their most successful versions of themselves. And it's a great way for everyone to win together, to align everyone's best interest, to get pointed in the same direction as your key employees, as your key producers. So without further ado, let's jump into bonuses. So in my opinion, bonuses are a critical tool. I think uh, it's one of the easiest and simplest ways to align your best interests with your key employees. Like I mentioned a moment ago, what I mean by that is that you know, the core reason that people go to work is not good feelings or some frou-frou reason like this. It's to get paid. You know, it's money makes the world go around. That's why people take jobs nine times, 99 times out of a hundred, let's say, right. It's almost always that one of the key contributing factors, if not the contributing factor. So why not do it right? Why not pay people well? Why not make them feel great about uh, what they earn? And why not align their compensation programs wherever you can within reason with your best interest? I mean, obviously, in one extreme, you can't really bonus most employees or most managers as their only form of compensation. I mean, there are some people who are like uh, direct salespeople who only make a percentage of their sales and things like this, but it's, that's only the most like aggressive salespeople would accept a role like that. Most people are going to need some mix of salary and bonus. That's particularly true in my business in healthcare when you set up bonus programs for clinicians, but different businesses are going to have different balances in that. And it's important to strike the right one in yours. Point being though, why not make some meaningful portion of your compensation for your key people about bonuses? You know, bonuses are a great way to tie their actions and, and to direct their actions in everyday life to the most important thing in your business. So it, it really is just a critical and easy tool for aligning your interests with your key employees, you know, making sure that when they win, you win and vice versa. I mean, it is kind of crazy to me how many employers don't take advantage of this. It is one of the simplest tools out there. It can seem expensive on a P&L and like a, a good place to quote unquote cut some fat. You see this in particular with like medical device sales and other sales businesses that as soon as people start earning some real money in a, a sales bonus or something like this, or commission in that case, they start to slash those commissions or change the structure so that people make less and X, Y, Z. I think it's so foolhardy. I mean, why not set up a situation where people are continuing to win? It gets better and better and uh, make it so that it's scalable, right? So, I mean, it's crazy to me how many people don't bonus, especially outside of sales positions. There's so many opportunities for bonusing in your business that just makes so much sense. And you can really change the outcomes in, in the, the mainstays of your business. I'll give a quick example of that. My uh, business partner runs some medical practices and a key thing for him, you know, he's an orthopedic surgeon and a key thing for him is getting patients scheduled, right? That so many people call the practice and if they have a bad experience calling a practice, they might move to a competitor. They might go to the next person on their list, X, Y, Z. So it's, it is a big chance for a first impression. And oftentimes in medical practices, especially people overlook this. I mean, when you call a medical practice, it may be your experience that you go to this long automated, you know, phone system that begins with, in this call may be monitored for customer service, blah, blah, blah. You know, but you're, you're just, you see your poor customer, your patient in this case, eyes rolling in the back of their head. It's like, oh, now I got to deal with this system and press one. Oh, I'm a new patient. I'm going to press two. I'm going to go over here. And it's just this terrible experience. Then you get to someone who's not enthusiastic about scheduling. You can kind of tell that they're an hourly employee and don't necessarily love their job. 
job and they do a, uh, I can't cuss on this podcast. <laughs> it almost just, anyways, yeah, they, they do not do a good job of scheduling. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so anyway, so, so, so they don't do their best work and that's your, your patient's first experience, your customer's first experience with your practice in that case. Well, what he figured out was, Hey, let's make this, the phone simple, the phone system simple. And then I'm going to bonus the people and make it real money. I mean, you know, these are people who probably make, I don't know, just round numbers, people who do scheduling functions, probably 30 to $40,000 a year. In some cases, it's probably pretty generous. Well, you know, if he made it so they can make 25% more 10 grand or something a year in bonus, they, they would really work to schedule those phone calls, almost get competitive with one another. And he just made the bonus program simple that if you schedule a patient, you get a bonus. And what do you know? His scheduled patients went through the roof and therefore the revenue his business went through the roof and everyone became more successful. Everyone else who was bonused in his practice, you know, his providers and things like this can make more money. The, uh, the receptionists and the, the schedulers that changed their lives, right? you know, they're, they're getting better houses, better cars and things like this, uh, all because that he just aligned his best, their best interest with his best interest. So instead of just, you know, making it someone who he has to manage and grind and someone who not, who doesn't necessarily care how many patients they schedule, they just care about, you know, their boss checking off that they do an okay job at work. You know, he made them into producers in his business and changed a really fundamental and key part of his business because he aligned their best interest with his. So, you know, it's something I want to unpack, but it's crazy to me how many people don't take advantage of things like that. I mean, I would always look for opportunities to change an hourly mindset into a producer mindset, you know, that he just took someone who's just dutifully answering phone calls or something like this to a producer for his business with just a simple bonus program. It's only change in management. He made his life easier and and he's more successful for it. And just as importantly, and perhaps even more importantly, they're more successful for it. And that's how a great bonus program can work. But it's crazy to me how many employers don't take advantage of this. It's such a simple way to put a headwind at your tail, you know, to, to put some wind in your sails, so to speak, and, and to make your life easier. So why not take advantage of generous and easy bonus programs? It really is your chance to do well by doing good. You know, being generous here often comes back exponentially. That's something I'll unpack a little more in this podcast. So today we're going to talk about uh, bonus programs should be in the control of the person you're bonusing. Bonus programs should be simple to understand. Bonus programs should be consistent, meaning that they shouldn't change uh, as, or as much as possible they shouldn't change. Bonus sh- programs should align your company's uh, best interest with that employee who's getting bonused. And bonus programs should pay in the comp- compensation type that the relevant employee can understand. So let's jump into it without further ado. I'll hit those point by point, but I wanted to kind of give you guys an outline of what was going to be going on in this episode. So first point, bonus programs should be in control of the person that you are bonusing. What I mean by this is don't make part of their compensation dependent on something that they can't affect in their day-to-day life. So let's give some examples here. Let's say that you have someone who runs a, a retail store for you, right? And you decide, Hey, I want to bonus this person. Well, if you did just a share of profits or something like this, you know, that it's like, Hey, you get 5% of whatever the store's profits are or something like this, but they don't have control over most of those profits. If they aren't the one negotiating, like say it's a clothing store, if they aren't negotiating with the vendors on the price of clothing, if they aren't negotiating rent and things like this that go into that calculation, then they can't affect their whole bonus. The only thing that they can really affect is the quality of their sales process, making sure there isn't theft in in the program and then their staffing ratios. Well, you're going to dilute the quality of that bonus by including all those things that they can't affect. If the rent is in the calculation and something that they can't affect, but is dragging down their bonus, then that bonus is less appealing to them. Right? So a great bonus in that, in that case, which would be bonus based off of like revenue growth and therefore like the quality of their sales process, uh, maybe inventory management. So they call it slippage in that industry, but making sure that things aren't stolen uh, either by employees or by customers. 
and that things aren't ruined. Um, you know, you might even include uh, uh, lowering like return percentage in that case, something like that. And then staffing ratios, making sure that they're appropriately staffed and don't have too many expensive people on the floor selling. Well, if you made the bonus program about that, then they can affect all three of those things. And it's easier for them to understand their bonus and to affect it, right? So in our business, we don't do just a, we do a proxy for profits, but we don't do profits for that reason because we don't ask our clinicians who run our medical practices to affect the P&L, the profit and loss statement by changing the rent. You know, when, when it comes time to negotiate with the landlord, we don't involve a clinic director who's oftentimes like a physician assistant or a registered nurse. We don't involve them in the nego- negotiations. So why would we include that in their bonus program, right? That's something that corporate has to take care of and that's corporate's business. If that was included in, in how they affect their bonus and how they make themselves more money, it would just confuse and dilute their understanding of that bonus. And there's a certain breaking point where employees throw up their hands, go, oh, I can't do anything with this. You know, this bonus program is no good for me because I can't affect change with it. So make sure that the things that you do uh, put in the bonus pr- program are things they can change. For us, what we do is we take revenue minus labor expense and give them a percentage of that. So instead of including every expense the business has, we make it simpler. And there's two things that our clinic directors can affect. They can affect sales by making a better experience for our customers or some networking with communities and growing their practice X, Y, Z. And they can affect their staffing ratios and making sure that they have the appropriate number of clinicians on and that they're staffed correctly. It's close to 50% of our total expenses in, um, a lot of, or of our, of our P and L expenses and a lot of our clinics. So that's a key thing for us to manage. And we just bonus based off those two things. It's the two things that they can control. It's the two things that they can do to affect their, their outcome. And it's simple for them to understand. That's particularly important because of the type employees that we have, you know, clinicians oftentimes are not business people. Uh, they don't aspire to be when they're becoming clinicians, they aspire to go help people and to make a difference. And oftentimes it's because they don't like dealing with business aspects that they go into those professions. So it's important to understand your employees and what makes them tick too. But, you know, in this case, we, we did the simple thing that they can understand and it doesn't overwhelm them. And with that, I think our bonus program was very popular. Um, so bonus program should be in control of the person that you're bonusing. Don't throw a bunch of miscellaneous things in there. Even if you'd like those things to be affected, you got to be careful about it, right? So if you start throwing in things that people can't understand, like negotiating with vendors or, or things that they straight up can't do, like negotiating with the landlord, you're going to really throw them off, you know? So the bonus program should be based off the things that they can affect. And you got to be careful not to broaden it too much, uh, in, in what you choose for them. So the next point, bonus programs should be simple to understand. So what I mean by that is that everyone who's bonus should be able to like very easily say back to you what their bonus program is. That's a great check and balance for you is once you have a bonus program implemented, go back a month later and say, Hey, tell me about your bonus program. How is it calculated? And if the person who's bonus can't explain it back to you, you have made your bonus program too complicated, or you haven't done a good job of educating them on it and implementing it. But nonetheless, bonus programs should be very simple to understand, right? Don't get too mathematical if you're bonusing non-mathematical people. You know, I keep coming back to the example of my business where we run testosterone replacement clinics and employ clinicians, but you know, these are not necessarily mathematical people. So we don't get into like complicated staffing ratios and percentages and things like this when we can avoid it. You know, we keep it simple, revenue and total dollars of labor expense, right? And we just make it simple for them to understand and they know what they can affect and they have a clear understanding in all of their actions that you know, if what I want to do to make more money today, I want to treat patients better. So I get more revenue. What I want to do to make more money today. I want to make sure I don't have an extra clinician on staff. That's ruining my profitability. 
and they understand those two simple concepts, they can make a bigger bonus. Bonus programs should be simple to understand that way. If you make it too convoluted, if you make like triggers or gates the way some people do, then you're going to lose a lot of the good actions of your people. Um, step bonus programs, you know, sometimes they're appropriate. Like, uh, okay, so like my friend works in uh, car sales, for example, right? And if he sells a certain number of cars, then he gets X number of dollars per car, right? So let's just make it simple and say he gets $100 per car. And he, if he sells five cars, he gets that $100. Well, then on the next cars that he sells, if he gets like above 10 or something like this, then every car all the way back to one, he makes $150 on instead, let's say, right? So he's incentivized in that case to hit a bigger n- number of car sales. And it's going to affect the bonus on all the cars before. Well, you know, for a salesperson like that in a car setting, that might be appropriate, but it kind of is starting to stretch the understanding of a bonus program and keeping it simple. I don't necessarily love that. You know, when you start to do step bonus programs and like gates to extra stretch goals and things, if you do do that, you should probably only have like one step or you should probably only have like one extra bonus that's hit for hitting some extraneous goal. Right. And don't forget, you can always have bonus uh, programs that are a little bit discretionary, you know, for those extra things, right? So like if you want to reward someone for doing something exceptional and selling 15 cars where the average person only sells five or six in a month, then uh, you can always go and publicly give that person a one-off bonus or something like that to incentivize everyone and kind of make them all understand it's important to hit some of these stretch goals. But you gotta be careful about getting too complicated with step bonus programs and things like this. It should be simple for everyone to understand, right? Uh, if you use percentages in this case, they should quote unquote sound good in my opinion. And what I mean by that is like, you shouldn't be like, uh, you know, here is your bonus program. You get 0.63% of profitability, you know, of the profit margin. Something like that is just kind of weird to people. It's going to turn them off the bonus program a little bit. When possible, it should be whole numbers, you know, like uh, 1% in that case of the profitability of the business or things like this. Or, or if you can't afford that in your P&L, then come up with a proxy for profit and make it 1% instead of doing something weird like 0.63% of total profitability, right? So, you know, the, if you use percentages, they should quote unquote sound good and it should sound generous to people, right? Uh, so if there's a proxy for profits that let you state a bigger percentage in their bonus program, that's much better than having just the full uh, uh, profitability and doing a smaller percentage, if that makes sense, right? So percentages should always sound good, they should sound generous, and they should be big whenever possible, right? So simple to understand, that's a key part of bonus programs. Don't make your bonus programs too convoluted, and uh, um, you know, be careful about overcomplicating them, even if it's something that you can understand in the executive level of the business or something that you're trying to affect that's kind of obscure in the business, think real hard before including that in bonus programs. It might be better managed in other avenues. Bonus programs should be consistent. You know, it's a huge mistake to change these at all, let alone when the quote unquote, the getting gets good. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed over the years who are like, oh, you know, I had this great bonus program and it looked like I was about to make a bunch of money. But then as soon as I started qualifying for it, they yanked the rug out from under me and that bonus program went away or that bonus program changed. You know, again, in the healthcare analogy, you know, I'd interview a lot of clinicians who have bonus programs they're skeptical of, right? That they don't trust bonuses because every time a a hospital or oftentimes, especially doctor's offices promise them a bonus, they change it every year, right? And it gets more complicated for people to understand. Dentists are kind of notorious for this as well, that, you know, that when you interview like a dental hygienist or something like that, they don't really believe in bonus programs because as soon as they would qualify for it, it was kind of complicated. And then as soon as they finally made it start to work for them, it changed for the next year. 
you don't want to pull the rug out from under people because you start to get a reputation for that bonus not counting, right? And the last thing you want to do is be paying out any amount of compensation without your employee believing in it, without your employee believing it's something that they can affect, earn, and trust and count on in the future, right? Because otherwise, the bonus dollars just become discretionary and your employees won't give you as much credit for them as they will in their salary, right? And that's a bad thing. You, know, you don't want to be paying compensation out that you aren't getting credit for. This is such a key concept is that if you do something that compromises or affects uh, uh, the value of dollars that you're get putting in your employees' pockets, man, they're really wasted, right? It's such a big expense for most businesses, you know, their employees and things like this, that you really don't want to squeeze your margins by paying out bonuses that people don't believe in, that they don't trust because you're jerking them around and changing them all the time. So I think it's a huge mistake to change these as all because people won't count it as compensation. And that makes it into a double negative where whatever money you do pay isn't even counted, right? So you want the bonus program to be very reliable. That's something we get a lot of credit for in our business. And when a new like a clinic directors being recruited by one of our regional directors, I often hear feedback that, boy, you know, the regional director really believed in your bonus program and they made sure to really hammer home that this isn't like most doctor's offices where the bonus program is going to change or something. They say it's generous and it's real. You can make a lot of money at this and it's for sure going to be paid out. And I think that's really valuable. You know, that's worth investing in. And I'm glad that we've invested in that over the years, invested in that trust with our employees and invested in their trust of our bonus program, because then we can really run the bonus program out and everyone can win. Because again, you know, this is all about aligning your key employees' best interests with your own, right? So, so be very slow to change a bonus program, to jerk it around. I think even like sales programs, right? Like I hear all the time about like a, a sales commission or whatever being changed as soon as someone you know, starts to make some real money, right? So they close a bunch of accounts or something like that. Then all of a sudden they go, well, you know, now you're going to get 4% instead of 5% of all your sales, right? And that person just walks away so disillusioned. It's like they work so hard all year to have this residual revenue from all these key accounts that they, when they change it like that, it's just like, damn, right? You know, the bonus program just isn't true. And everyone else around them kind of hears that. Trust me, your employees are networking, they're talking, they're judging your compensation programs, and they're talking about, are they fair? They talk about, are they consistent? And they're talking about what it means for them. Oftentimes, even comparing numbers, right? So you need to be consistent and be fair behind the scenes for that reason. And I should probably do a podcast about that. I have some, some interesting anecdotes about that, that information becoming public in my business sometimes and stuff like that, right? But nonetheless, you should always be fair, consistent, and understand that they're networking about this. They're judging how real is this bonus program? Is it something that me and my family can rely on? Or is it something that's just discretionary that I shouldn't count in my income because it could go away in a year? So, you know, don't, don't, um, don't mistake, don't, don't undercount or don't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't underestimate, let's say, uh, how powerful a consistent and generous bonus program is for your employees network effect with one another, right? And, and them talking to one another and them saying, hey, this is a great company to work for because I have this great bonus potential and it's real. It's something that I can count on. Now, the counterpoint to that is that sometimes, you know, in sales, for example, let's say it's medical device sales, someone calls and gets, gets an expensive uh, surgeon, gets another group of surgeons, or something like that. And all of a sudden they have a really nice income from their commission uh, structure and they just kind of sit back. They stop selling to new doctors and things like this because it's so much extra work and they can kind of just work 10 hours a week and have the residual sales from that original doctor. Well, in my mind, you know, oftentimes that's when they start to change commission structures and they go, okay, you got those doctors. Now we're going to count that in your base of business and you only get bonus or commission based off growth from here, or you get extra commission based off growth from there and basically compromise the residual sales that go to some of those key doctors. Well, first of all, 
that disincentivizes that person from continuing to work those accounts. You know, those are our fruitful accounts. That's why you wanted them in the first place and why you paid commission in the first place was to have those doctors as kind of a stable person that's going to keep giving you money year in and year out. So you shouldn't take that for advantage. And if you take away that commission structure, that person might stop calling on them. But in my mind, instead of changing the commission structure there, you should really look at the person and making it clear to them that you're not okay with them sitting around and being unproductive, that you do need to see sales growth and that you're not going to change their, their commission structure or their bonus program, but you are going to require them to get some sales growth here and it's conditional, you know, for their performance. And it's a key thing that you expect. And, you know, you just got to kind of be realistic and maybe that's a, a moment to manage people rather than changing commission structures, right? Because the, the reverberating effect in your company of changing commission structures can be a lot bigger than, uh, than just going to that person and managing them. And then if you do have to make a change with that person one day, if they really are just lazy and they aren't going to do any extra work or generate any additional sales for you, you might get a little bit more uh, understanding from their coworkers, right? Because anyone who you fire in business gets a halo effect with the other coworkers, even if it's pretty clear that they deserve to be fired that they are always going to kind of uh, band together and give a, give a halo to that person because, you know, they're, they're in the same team, right? They're both employees and they don't want to see the same thing happen to themselves. So with that in mind, if you, if you, uh, do eventually have to make a change of that person, at least the wake of that isn't that your commission was changed, you know, and, and one criticism that person can't have, you know, if they're trying to disillusion other employees in your business on the way out or, or when they check in with them after they've left or whatever, and they're given their story, one, one talking point they won't have is that that place really doesn't, you know, stay true to their word about compensation, which is just a kiss of death, especially in sales organizations. So my, my opinion, bonus program should be consistent, you know, be very slow. If you do have to change these, be very slow to do it. Think about the consequences. Think about all the immeasurables that you're losing if you do have to change these, because it can be really big and can really affect your business more than you might think. Bonus programs should align with your company's best interest. You know, just keep it simple here. You know, if, if it's profitability you're trying to, to grow, then bonus profitability, bonus a proxy for profitability, but keep it simple. You know, it should align with your best interest and everyone should win together. That's what makes that virtuous cycle or one good thing begets another. And I think that's such a key and overlooked thing in business. Why not take these roadblocks out of your way? Why not take that headwind and put it behind you? You know, and make it a tailwind. Let's make life easier. Let's all win together. Isn't that the point of capitalism is that we can come together and, and one plus one equals three, right? That, that, the, that when we work together and we find mutual benefit, we can grow faster than just doing things on our own, right? And that's a key part of this is, is why not put these, you know, this wind in your sails? Why not succeed together and do well together? I think that's a really key thing. So always align with your company's best interest. Don't overcomplicate this. Just make it about profit growth if you're at a loss for a better way to do this, right? I mean, that's one of the simplest things in the world. They get to feel like they share in the fortunes of the business. They're gonna be more loyal and more protective of your business. That's one of the simplest things. If someone can affect the profitability of your business, giving them a bonus based off of profit or profit growth, one of the simplest ways to make your life easier as a manager or as an entrepreneur or as a business owner. So why not do it? You know, make it about revenue and profit growth whenever it's possible. I think that's just simple advice about bonus programs. And oftentimes people want to get all clever and here's the perfect bonus program because it takes into account revenue over here, but then it punishes this bad, uh, oh, you know, this bad management technique over here. And then it gates them out of a bigger step in their percentage by if they can't hit efficiency goals. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's way too complicated. You want to be more profitable as a business person. So bonus people based off of profitability, right? Keep it simple. So uh, <clears throat> make sure that your bonus programs align with your company's best interest is, is the goal there.
Finally, I think that bonus program should pay in a compensation type that the relevant employee can understand, right? So like you see a lot in the news right now about RSUs, or, you know, reserve stock units or stock options and things like this. But if you have a person who has a cash flow problem, right? And, and certain different employees are going to have different understandings of different types of compensation. Well, the easiest one in the world is just dollars, right? You know, that if you just pay someone, everyone understands a bigger number in their bank account. Everyone understands a bigger check. And I think that that's the, that's the compensation type you should always default to in bonus programs. Rather than bonusing people in stock options or reserve stock units, RSUs, or something like this, you, know, you should just uh, bonus them in dollars and cents. That's the simplest thing in the world for people to understand. It's the simplest thing for them to value. And there's no mistaking it, right? So unless you're dealing with like a higher level executive or, or some, or, you know, again, the tech industry, everyone kind of understands what RSUs are because it's such a common thing out there for people to get them and to make fortunes when companies go public. So they kind of do a better job of understanding RSUs. Uh, you should be really skeptical of paying in compensation types other than cash, right? That's true for me with clinicians. You know, if, if you give equity to the wrong type of clinician, you know, if you make them an owner in the business or something, that's an incredibly expensive thing for the business, right? You know, to give away the equity and the upside, the ownership, but it doesn't reward people until it sells one day, right? Or unless you're paying dividends or distributions along the way, but normally it doesn't reward people along the way. It's kind of this ephemeral thing that it takes a pretty sophisticated person to understand. And you should always pay people in the thing that they understand and that they value. Otherwise it's a bad deal for both of you, right? So the classic example is like, uh, maybe going back to like the, uh, um, receptionist thing I just spoke about earlier with my business partner, started bonusing his receptionist. Well, if he gave them equity, you know, instead of an extra thousand dollars a month or whatever in, in their bonus potential, if he said, well, here's, you know, the equivalent of a thousand dollars worth of equity in my practice or something like that, they don't know how to value that. But if you give them a thousand dollars, they're going to go buy a better car. They're going to buy a better house. And they're going to think that you hung the, hung the moon for them. Right. So you want to make sure that you pay people in something that they understand and that they value. Don't pay in equity or something obscure, you know, some other type of benefit or something like that if they don't value it. I think one of the best examples of this is like uh, someone hits a sales goal and you give them like a, a pen, right? Or someone hits a sale goal and you give them like uh, some little novel item or like an award that doesn't really mean anything. I think that's kind of a mistake, right? I mean, I get it that you save money in dollars and cents, but they aren't going to value that the same way they would a check, right? So even if you're just making a trophy and giving it out to people, give them the cost of the trophy instead, right? Because I don't know if the, if the trophy is a great way to bonus people. It's something I stay away from anyways, or like internal uh, awards that don't have real compensation tied to them. Like you might give uh, an award or a trophy for like a sales accomplishment or something in a national meeting type of setting, but it should be alongside a huge bonus and something that's like people are extra proud of. I've heard nightmare stories like people in the cubicle farms, you know, getting all everyone called up to the front of the office and someone being awarded like a most improved in sales statue or something like that. Like stay away from that. Pay people in something that they understand, you know, pay, pay people in dollars and cents and only pay people in equity that can really understand and value that equity accordingly. And, and that it encourages the behavior you want to get. And that's the core of the bonus thing at the end of the day is that you're trying to incentivize a certain behavior, right? So if you pay someone in something they don't understand or they don't value, then you just backtrack. You just gave them compensation and something that does have value, but that they don't recognize. And that's kind of the worst case scenario. That's why equity is such a great example of that, by the way, and why I was kind of sticking to it in most of that uh, discussion there is that equity is kind of ephemeral and hard to quantify. And listen, it has a lot of risk. It takes a pretty sophisticated person to see how this equity could be worth 10x what it is on paper today in five years if we hit these growth uh, opportunities, and especially in publicly traded companies. It's a very risky thing. And there is a real risk that equity could become less 
uh, valuable than it's stated today. So if you get RSUs that are supposed to be the equivalent of $10,000 today, in your programming job in some startup or something like that. Well, if the startup fails, that $10,000 is gone. So your employees logically, even if they are sophisticated, they logically should discount those uh, stock options a little bit because it may never come true. You know, the flip side of that is a friend of a friend uh, was, was an early employee in that company Snowflake that just went public last week. And all of a sudden he went overnight from being worth, you know, five, six figures to seven or eight, you know, just overnight because he had RSUs early on in the business that became very valuable. Well, the question is back when he got those RSUs, did he understand that they were worth millions of dollars? I mean, maybe not, honestly, and it might not have encouraged that much behavior. So was that really a good compensation program for him? Maybe, you know, it all worked out for him, but I don't know, you know, that's a difficult call. But, you know, making sure that people really value those is a key piece of it being the right, you know, being the right form of conversation is what I'm trying to say. And you, you need to make a strong case to yourself about why it should be anything other than dollars and cents. I think that that should always be the default is dollars and cents, a bonus that's hitting their bank account as quickly as they produce the result, right? That's kind of one, I didn't write that down in my notes here to talk about, but that's another key thing is making sure that they get their bonuses in a timely fashion. You know, you want the behavior psychologically to be tied to that dollar and cent and that positive reinforcement as quickly as possible. So as quickly as you can calculate bonuses, you should process them. It's a huge mistake, in my opinion, to have bonuses on like a month or two lag or like a quarter lag or some extreme example like that, I think is a big mistake. And for that reason, I'm a fan of monthly bonuses rather than annual bonuses. You know, an annual bonus, you only get credit for that once a year. People are kind of working towards them, but it's not top of mind. Whereas if that, if a portion of that money were hitting their account every single month, then every month they're getting that positive reinforcement and they're starting to change their behaviors. So keeping bonuses on a tight time cycle and keeping them closely timed to uh, the actual action, you know, that as soon as someone does something that makes the business more profitability, they get the bonus and they're rewarded for that is a really key thing. I'm kind of surprised I didn't put that in my notes. I'm disappointed in myself, but that's a really key point I want to add on here is the timing of bonuses really, really matters and keeping them tight to when uh, people perform the good action is a key thing. Let's see what else. Make the bonuses uncapped when possible. This is kind of a final bonus point I wanted to throw in here. It's such a psychological boost that you don't have a ceiling on your earnings, that you don't have a ceiling on your growth in a business. You know, that quote unquote glass ceiling is something that gets thrown into politics a lot, and particularly in regards to like women in the workforce. And it's a terrible thing. As a quick side note, there should not be a glass ceiling for anyone based off of anything you know, that, that, uh, is like gender or, or race or something ridiculous like that. There should be no glass ceilings in your business for anything like that, obviously, but there shouldn't be like a glass ceiling on compensation and bonus either when you can avoid it. So if you can make it uncapped, I think that's a brilliant thing that if someone does an exponentially better job, they get a, and creates exponential growth in their, in their business and their, maybe the, the profit and loss statement for their clinic in my case, or for their location, you know, the, the location that they oversee, if they're a manager of something, if it grows exponentially, why not make it so their bonus grows exponentially with that? And that is uncapped. Just the, the aspect of anything being possible is such a, an important psychological booster for people. I would not underestimate it. I always try to make bonuses uncapped whenever possible in my businesses. Now, logically there probably is some type of cap, for a lot of people, like getting back to that receptionist and scheduling analogy, you know, logically they're not going to make a million dollars or something like that by answering more phone calls. I mean, I think everyone kind of understands that, but it is cool that it's uncapped. It keeps them guessing at how high they can go and how high is up. And it'll keep you guessing at how profitable you can make your business if you align their best interests with yours, right? So I think making a bonus uncapped is a really huge psychological boost. And with that, you need to make sure that, that your key people have uncapped opportunity. It's kind of the burden of the leader to keep growing the business so that your star performers have 
have bigger and bigger opportunities that match their talent. And I think the same thing should be true of bonuses. So that's the key thing, you know, to recap the outline here, there's bonus programs should be in control of the person you're bonusing. Bonus programs should be simple to understand. Bonus programs should be consistent, meaning that they shouldn't be changed like we discussed. Uh, bonus programs should align with the company's best interest. Bonus programs should pay in a compensation type that the relevant employee can understand. And, uh, and the little extra thing I threw in there, the bonus, if you will. <laughs> but the extra thing I threw in there is that bonuses should be paid in a timely fashion. That as quickly as someone earns the bonus, it should be paid quickly so that they see and tie that behavior to that compensation. So to me, that's, that's bonuses in a nutshell. It's kind of a high level view of it. I'm happy to get into any specific questions you guys might have, or if you want a more complicated overview of bonuses, you know, of course there's more layers of how to structure them and things like this that really aren't practical to go into in a podcast like this. So that's a high level overview of bonuses. And I hope you guys enjoyed, I hope this is useful. And I hope that you think very hard about who should be bonusing your business, that you think a little outside the box about who it should be. Cause you know, that receptionist is a powerful example. You know, oftentimes people overlook a bonus for a receptionist, but it might be appropriate in your business and it might change your fortunes. So be a little creative about bonus programs, be a little creative about who gets them and be very generous with them. And you might see your fortunes change. You might do well by doing good. Well, thanks so much. You know, you can always reach me at uh, the Blackwood show on Instagram. And then I have the Blackwood show at gmail.com. I love getting listener feedback and you guys have been so supportive. Thanks so much for, uh, for supporting the channel and supporting the growth. I've been having a lot of fun doing these and I really appreciate you guys, uh, taking the time to listen. I know there's a lot of great ways to entertain yourself, not the least of which are a lot of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me talk at y'all soon.